during a time when so much is swirling and up in the air, in the face of a time where everything seems to be kind of up for grabs and society and civilization is trying to figure out how to sort what, what we believe and what life is all about. In a time where 15 days to slow the spread has become nearly two years to slow the spread, humanity is tired. Spiritually, physically, a little bit worn out. Usually I don't pray to have the voice to thunder on for 25 minutes, but this morning I find myself saying, Klinkenberg, keep your shoulders back and your chin up. Good posture will give you power to preach. People are struggling with the mandates for this and that. The turn of the calendar from October to November, I've had more asks or opportunities. People have said, will you sign my exemption form so I can keep my job? And churches are trying to figure it out. Reformation Day, four or five years ago, we would have had four or five hundred people in here and ran three services that same way. And this morning, it's good to see y'all. It's good to be in community. It's good to be together. It's good to shake a hand and give a hug. Some things I don't take for granted any longer. So much of this not knowing and not understanding and not perceiving and not, not having everything kind of figured out on the line and saying, well, this happens, then this, then that, then this, then that, and we'll all be fine and we'll get to the end and everything will be cleaned up and squared away and we'll be all right. In the not knowing, if for me it's mentally and spiritually and even physically fatiguing. Up till about two weeks ago, I thought I was bulletproof from COVID. I'd been breathed on, spit on, coughed on, sneezed on. I'd been locked in rooms with people who were sick. And finally, it took a meeting in Las Vegas and someone from Indiana breathed on me and gave me the Indiana strain of COVID, which... And that's why I've been off the radar for the last two weeks, as your senior pastor has wrestled with COVID. I was sick for about three days, and now I'm just tired. And toward the end of my quarantine last week, I received word through my daughter-in-law that her cousin... Her cousin's husband, Nick, a 34-year-old man with a 15-month-old baby, had gone into St. Joe's Heart Hospital with COVID symptoms and four hours later died of a heart attack. Seems the second variant has some things attached to it that the first didn't. It's also exhausting. There's so much fatigue in our culture today. I'm surprised that the 55 freeway even moves and people don't stop their car and pull someone out for pulling in front of them and just get into a fist fight or a yelling match. It's all so exhausting. It seems like it's been so long. But life calls to be lived. Life is about living. Life calls for a response to the issues of, of life. Life calls us to keep on moving and keep pushing forward and not quit and not give in and knuckle under to the exhaustion and the fatigue and the mental and spiritual struggle that seems to be going on from day to day. And with that beginning, 
I say to you, maybe today is the most important Reformation Day in our lifetime. Because we're called from what is unknown and uncertain to what is known and what is certain. We're called, as Dr. Luther was, away from self and away from self-worship and away from our taste and attitude and opinions and what we think and what we understand. We become tired and worn out from worrying about all the things of humanity, of COVID, politics, race, sex, gender, all the emotional stuff of life and death. And sometimes in all of that stuff, it's so significant to get back to what we are tethered and to what is the most significant and the most important and the most life-giving and the most healing and the most connecting of people to God and people to one another, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. Reformation Day 2021, this is the third time I've written this sermon, and I'm still not sure I've got it completely figured out. But I do know this, that believing in Jesus provides energy, strength, identity, primary identity, and leaves us with a rock-solid foundation upon which to live our lives and react and respond and engage in all of the stuff that swirls out there. What you believe makes a difference, perhaps the biggest difference of anything else in your life in terms of defining you and giving you energy and courage to look to the future. What do you believe. Because what you believe defines who you are and what you do. Those of us who have more consonants and vowels in our name, or maybe have the rare distinction of having lined up six consonants in a row, or maybe just five, families whose names are Schmidt and Zarent and Klinkenberg and whatever, those words of Romans chapter 3 in our text are words that we all are familiar with. Paul writes for us about the longest-lasting belief system in the history of humanity. He points us not to self, but he points us away from self in Romans chapter 3 and points us back to Jesus. Every other religion in the world points to self. Every other man-made religion points to man-made stuff. Every other religion in the world, every other cult of personality, every other weird, bizarre way of thinking points to self. Every politician points to self. Every other movement of humanity points back to people, except this one in Romans chapter 3. This belief system points us back to Jesus, the Son of God. And this belief system here in Romans chapter 3 has weathered quarantine, sickness, and death. This belief system has weathered skirmishes and world wars, depressions and recessions, and all sorts of chaotic human seasons have been endured through and by this faith system. And this faith system has been found to be solid and strong and sturdy and long-lasting and real because it's focused not on humanity but focused on God in Christ for humanity. This is our DNA. 
This is who we are. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26 defines us. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate His righteousness because in His forbearance He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate His righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Every word that we love and hold on to is in that passage. Words like grace and faith and justification and atonement and redemption. Many of us were born and raised up on Romans chapter 3 verse 23. And you can say it in your mind's eye as, as I read it. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. It's this reality from God that Dr. Dr. Luther reclaimed in the Lutheran Reformation, which we remember and commemorate this morning. It's this reality, it's this belief that moved millions of Germans and Scandinavian Lutherans to emigrate to the Americas and populate little places. The Muhlenberg Lutherans in Pennsylvania, the crazy Germans and Swedes in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Kansas. The crazy Germans who in 1872 met just blocks from here and said we need to have a church and a school and a place where we can proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and have the freedom to confess the Lutheran confession. It's the Christocentric worldview that sustains our ancestors. It's the Christocentric worldview that sustains us in this season of life. And it's that Christ-centered, Christocentric worldview that will sustain our children's children. There's no other hope to be saved except through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul reminds us that sin is sticky, that we are accountable to God. The whole world is accountable to God but that sin is sticky. And the more we work to get rid of our own sin, the more our own sin enslaves us. So sin is a God-sized problem that needs a a God-sized solution. The answer to sin is not just feel happy and get over it. Try harder. Work stronger. Turn it off. You'll be okay. Until that day you stand before God and you say, I did my best. I tried every human-centered religion, every fad. I read every knucklehead book. I did every crazy thing. But now here I stand on Judgment Day with sin stuck all to me. But in a God-centered worldview, God speaks to us those marvelous, good, Christian, Lutheran Christian words. He comes with grace, which is His unconditional love. 
He comes with redemption, with the reality that He has paid the stickiness of our sins. He comes with His righteousness that covers our sins. He comes with that marvelous word, justification, which means God looks at us just as if I hadn't sinned. God reminds us that He loves us unconditionally and that He would rather die than live without us. And that the issue of sin needs a God-sized answer and that God's answer for us is Jesus Christ our Lord. And that sin is covered and unstuck and done away with. And we are made one with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Defined not by our sin or our humanity, but defied by the love of God for us in Jesus Christ. I'll never forget when a a gentleman took me out for lunch and he said, Pastor Tim, I, I need you to know that I'm a homosexual and and I struggle with this and I struggle with that. He said, it's just kind of amazing to me that, that you would still love me. I said, well, why do you think that's so? He said, I don't know. I said, my friend, it's because I see you through the cross of Jesus Christ and view you through that cross rather than anything else. You belong to Jesus. Jesus died for you. We look at self and life and others through the lens of Jesus. People are accountable to Him, not to us. And when we look through that lens of the cross, through faith in Jesus Christ, there's something that calms deep inside of the human soul. It's like the weight of the world comes off our souls. It's like all the accountability for all the world's stuff is released from us. The need to control and drive life in our own way, somehow through faith in Jesus Christ, begins to erode. And there's this deep-seated, soulful trust that is incubated in our lives of faith. And faith in Jesus Christ leads us away from depression and fear, away from control and anger. Faith in Christ leads us to humility and to kindness and to service and to peace. Peace that passes all understanding that keeps our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so Romans 3 reminds us that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, real peace, peace that gives us equilibrium amid a pandemic, peace that reminds us that first and foremost, above all things, we belong to the Lord, peace that puts the best and the worst things of life in God's hands and says with great faith, you got this, God, and I will follow you and thank you. Every other religion in the history of humanity except Christianity is focused on humanity. 
Perhaps that's why the first commandment against idolatry is the first one. And perhaps that's why the gospel is so beautiful, so warming, and so reforming. Perhaps that's why our hope that's founded in the Lord and our hope is found in Jesus. Maybe that's why we can persevere and persist through anything and everything until the end. Till that end. Not just the end of COVID or the end of this or the end of that, but until the end. When all the stuff is gone and all the stuff that's fake is revealed and all the stupidity of humanity is out for everyone to see. And then what is real stays and we stay and we stand by grace through faith with Jesus. Amen.